Happy New Year! Graham Norton here. We've got some great stuff for you on the Graham Norton with Waitrose podcast today. Thomas Brody Sangster is in a brand new Disney TV series of The Artful Dodger. Leighton Williams is in a new season of Bad Education. Show chef Martha has the perfect idea what to rustle up with the leftover Brussels sprouts. And Maria McCurlin solves the first problems of the year in Graham's Guide. <gasps> Here she is now. Happy New Year to you. Oh, when you. do we stop saying that? Uh, well, actually, uh, yes, I have stopped. You, but you've just done I know, it to me. I know, I know. It was a mistake, yeah. but I could only apologise. Yeah, otherwise we go into March and people are still saying it and then you want to punch them in the face. Sorry to be such a Grinch. Yeah, uh, but I think I think you're allowed to say it up until tomorrow afternoon and then people start punching you. I didn't realise you were the law on the Happy New Year Well, no, thing. I'm just thinking, when will it start annoying me? And it, It's not that it annoys me yet. Yeah. It's just in texts and things, I feel like I can't keep reading out Happy New Year. No, no. I uh, think yeah. it's difficult, though, because if you haven't seen people, you feel obliged somehow, but really, then it starts to get old. Anyway, let's be cheery. Let's. Because I haven't seen you for ages. Hooray! How was it all? It was fine. Thank you very much. I did sort of Christmas Day, and then I pretended nothing was happening. I did do a few parties. You, how was yours? Uh, it was very nice. We uh, went to, uh, what do you call that place? Ireland. And, <laughs> what do you call that place? <laughs> sure now tis it the place of your birth. <laughs> Sorry about uh, that accent. Yeah, really. A lot of tele- a lot of radios off now. <laughs> I cannot listen to this. No, please uh, make her go away. No, it was a nice big family thing, and that was very nice. And then we went off to America. Oh, and I always remember on my way back we were very delayed at JFK, oh, and uh, uh, but I met lots of lovely Virgin listeners, and uh, but one lady wanted. She came up. She said, "Can you say hello to me?" And I went, "Well, that's what this is, surely." <laughs> and and uh, she went, "No, no, no," on the radio. And I went, "Oh, yes, I will." So her name is Tony, and she lives now. Where does she live? Oh, Either Jersey or the Isle of Wight. Got the hang of this at all? Somewhere, somewhere. She was travelling with her son. Yeah. And, uh, name she, of son? Oh, I don't know that. <laughs> well, maybe he's called Tony. Poor, poor lady who wanted well, anyway, to be look, given a shout out. They've it's, got it it's now. worse than not a shout out. <laughs> they've frankly. got a shout out now. Oh, I want to say to all the lovely people that came to our live event just before Christmas um, at the Fortune Theatre, thank you very much for all your lovely messages about the bookie book. Um, <laughs> and, and if you liked it, I hate doing this, but the marketing people say, do it. Please, will you put a review up somewhere? I don't know where you put reviews. Okay. Um, well, you know, online or you could write in lipstick on your car and drive yeah. around. Yeah, yeah. That kind of thing, yeah. Lovely. Thank you, that'd be lovely. Yeah. You, I've got to do the audio book next week, Graham. Ooh, good luck with that. Yeah, because I've done, you know, voiceovers. I do voiceovers. Yeah. Uh, you're a trash. Um, but when it's your own words and you have written it yourself as well, you suddenly spot all the kind of... That doesn't make sense. Well... <laughs> when you read it out loud... Barbara Streisand, listen to hers. No, but that takes 28 hours. I did get her book. 48 hours. How can... Did she do it herself? She did it herself. And what she does is she kind... she, She does read the book. But it's so, she does it brilliantly. It's kind of conversational and she kind of does, she'll suddenly go on off a little tangent. There's something that's not in the book that she'll... I'm going to do that. Honestly, listen listen to a bit of it. Yeah, yeah. And follow it along with the book and you'll see what she does. And it's genius. I it's wonder how long that took her to record. 48, 48 hours. No, but that's a 48 hours for, of, of a listen. You know, you make fluffs, you get things wrong, you have to not start again. Barbara, not Barbara. Not Barbara. 
And also when you get a bit tired, as you and I know, well, you've done your own books many times, uh, then, you know, words just become sort of word soup and they don't make they sense really do. And it's so weird. You can, you can be reading for quite a long time out loud and then you'll suddenly kind of come back to it. Kind of, I wonder if this has made any sense at all <laughs> because I haven't really been... And then you start thinking, have I done that bit? <laughs> Am I in Groundhog Day? Well, the key is yes. the producers are amazing. Which because producers? The, the people sitting on the other side of the glass. Oh, I'm doing it locally. Lo- local, with in local Hastings. people. Yes. On a wax cylinder. Lovely Yoddy <laughs> in Hastings on a wax cylinder. Yes. No, he's got a reel to reel. Come on, he's a professional. Stop, start, stop, start. Can you do that word again? Yeah, I'll just spice it. I'll just spice I've got, I've got my razor blade here. I'll just spice it together. Thanks, Maria. Um, yes, no, the, but let that the producers person, do it. The, he is amazing. He should be amazing. Yeah. Where you don't even know you've made a mistake and they'll go, oh, by the way, you said prefabricated instead of door you know that kind of thing <laughs> actually it's the yaya studios i should give them a plug and it's jessica who will be producing good old, come on jessica Yoddy, you can do yeah. it i've sent her a pdf and everything i hope she's got it all marked up <laughs> oh but you should uh, what do we call the what? thing on a uh, roller disc a, not a kindle a little ipady thing yeah because that way you don't have the noise of the pages i know i was just going to do it from my book that is quite low tech <laughs> I like to be authentic. Will you be in a rocking chair? And there'll be a, a sound of crackling. Smoking a pipe. Yes, a crackling fire in the background. And then occasionally I'll be saying, as Barbara Streisand said, and then I would just be stealing her stories. I yeah, think that's fair. Bits of hers. And then, you know, there'll be the ding dong as people call over. <laughs> Cup of tea. I'm just reading my book. Bit of dog barking. <laughs> That's a very bad impression of my dog barking. <laughs> I, I I bought it. You know, we don't know, Rafi. By the way, you wanted to hear this, so I'll play it for you. There you go. You can't hear it because you don't have headphones on. I know, but I know what it is. I love this. Oh, Does it make you sad now? Well, no, not really, because everybody dies. But um, I did love this. It made me feel a bit sexy when I was younger. Ooh. <laughs> turn that off. <laughs> it doesn't anymore. You'll be pleased to know. I remember he was responsible for a fashion moment in my life. Oh, yeah. Go where on, I got me. my mother to knit me a Starsky and Hutch cardigan. I love you for that. Uh, with it was obviously knit- the Starsky one. It, it, well, it, it, there was two of them. Both, they both wore them. Well, no, but the dark-haired one really had the big chunky. And then uh, it, it, it had no buttons on it. <gasps> it just had a knitted belt. It was, it was like a jacquet. A knitted oh, belt. If only there were a photograph that had young Graham Norton. There probably is one somewhere. Oh, please, if anyone's got one. No. Or if you can mock one up, send no, it to me. No, there was a, um, a pattern, I think, in the Woman's Weekly. The Starsky or Hutch. Starsky mm, Hutch. And did you love it? Well, did it turn out right? Because anything my mum knitted, it never liked, well, looked it like it did Well, it did turn out nice, but I realised that maybe it was a bit too fashion forward for Bandon County Court. <laughs> It, it, it wasn't it wasn't really for us. Uh, listen, I mean, let's shut up and we'll get to some problems. Let's uh, shut up. <laughs> Virgin Radio. Oh, it's like I've been practising while I was away. Yeah, I, I, I'm slightly bored with that woman's sh- singing Maria. Well... Should I change my name? <laughs> no. <laughs> we can't afford it. <laughs> the jingle's been paid for. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> Even if you change your name, for the purposes of the programme, you will still be Maria. <laughs> OK. Here is the first problem, and it's quite a long one. Dear Graham and Maria, I met my second husband online ten years ago after leaving my first husband of 18 years who was a misogynistic, controlling narcissist. Hmm. 
Okay, don't sit on the fence. My second hubby is kind and thoughtful and we've been very happily married for coming up to seven years. Our lives are full. My daughter, his stepdaughter, has left home and she's happy. My son, his stepson, is living at home and he's finding his way in life. Both kids have been helped financially by my husband, who lost his mum last year, who he loved but had a fractious relationship with. I work full-time for the NHS and he's an experienced Class 1 HGV driver, but he's been put on garden leave for two months at the beginning of the year. I felt this was a perfect opportunity to get a family dog. And as my son, who lives at home, has a lot of allergies, I sourced a hypoallergenic miniature schnauzer, that's quite hard to say, that was ready to go very close to Christmas. Well, sorry, actually to go for Christmas very close to us. My kindly neighbour left a dog carrier and cage at our front door on Boxing Day, which I had arranged secretly. But my husband found it and asked what it was for. I told him and he was not happy at all. He was mad and adamant that he did not want a dog, which came mainly down to the fact that the dog wasn't macho enough and that we hadn't discussed a 10-year commitment. He angrily told me to cancel the purchase, which I did, but now I can't stop thinking that I've made the wrong decision for the rest of us. For me, it was supposed to be a nice surprise for him and the kids. I'm hurt, devastated and angry with him. I was embarrassed to tell the breeder to cancel at the last minute and it has spoilt Christmas. I can't understand why he's so anti-getting a dog when he comes from a farming family and has always had one. Do I go ahead anyway or should it be a joint decision? If I do go ahead, I'm worried he'll not want it and will hold it against me until the end of time. How can I resolve this? I love my husband but would love a family dog that I would walk and thought we could both walk together. Please help Joanne in Northumberland. Joanne in Northumberland, if ever there was a letter that told us communication is key, <laughs> this one is it. Yes, you thought thought you were doing a nice thing. It sounds to me, Joanne in Northumberland, like there was never, there's never been any mention of a dog. Shall we get a dog when you retire, whatever? It hasn't cropped up because for your husband to have that response, listen, your husband is great in every other way, so let's not discount that. You're doing well on that front. But <clears throat> he wasn't consulted. The dog isn't macho enough for him. Yeah, I get that. A lot of men feel that. Um, I do, yes, of course, we all know that if the miniature schnauzer had bedded itself in within a few months, he would have loved the dog. But this is not about that. This is about his lack of control over a situation and he has dug his heels in and that wasn't the right dog for you now. Yes, I understand your son has hypoallergenic issues. So, But there are lots of bigger dogs, more macho it's something that you have to do together and because you're you know autonomous on this he feels kind of excluded and he's right it is a 10-year commitment if not longer he's got a job as an hgv driver you work full-time at the nhs your son isn't going to be there forever to walk the dog have you thought this through joanne in northumberland i don't think because i you have said your husband isn't an unreasonable man i don't think this is something that can't be got over but you have to all sit down as a family and discuss the the ins and outs of it. A Christmas surprise with a dog, as we know of old, is never going to work. Graham? Yeah, no, if you've got to get a unilateral treat for the family, an ice cream maker is the way forward. <laughs> uh, not, not a dog. You know, you can't... An air fryer. <laughs> oh, lovely. Mm. But, no, but you, can't, you can't land a dog on a family that isn't expecting one 
and think it's going to go well. And also, Joanne, I, I hate to say this, but you work full-time for the NHS. He's a HGV driver. These are long shifts. They're yeah. difficult shifts. You know, the... The idea of dropping a dog into that family setup just seems to me wildly complicated. And it's not, it's, you know, I'm sure you can get over all those problems and I don't know, you know, maybe you work different shifts, you know, someone's looking after the kids. Yeah. So, you know, all kids of that. Are all, so, kids yeah, are grown up. Yeah, but, but it sounds, it, you know, I'm sure it might be doable, but it's not a slam dunk. It's not easy. It's going to be challenging to put a dog into that family setup. So I get that he was like yeah. a say what now? And, you know, whatever about the breed, I think beyond the breed, just, you know, there's a reason why you've been together for seven years and no dog has appeared because it's not easy to no. look after a dog. And when she was thinking, you know, he's got two months off at the beginning of January, I mean, beginning of the year, January is not yeah. two months long, um, you know, it's not just two months. You've got a puppy here, then he goes back to work, then you work, then your son decides he wants to go off and travel, then you've got a young dog with nobody to look after. I just, I think you haven't thought ahead. It is a big commitment. Yeah. It's a sort of version of having a child. Uh, if you've got advice, except at least that takes two to tango. You what do you mean? Well, you know, having a child, two oh, people yes. are involved. Yes. You know. Are they? You, apparently, I've yeah. I've got several. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that response is part one. And my favourite responders today will be getting some class of a pizza. Where the hell's my bit of paper with the pizza? Here it is. Uh, it's a waitress, number one, char-grilled vegetable and pesto pizza. Mmm, it's hand-stretched, isn't it? Wood-fired, fermented sourdough topped with tomato and basil sauce, mozzarella and mascarpone cheese, semi-dried tomatoes. You're semi-dried. Char-grilled yellow peppers, char-grilled courgette, black olives and finished with basil pesto. Come on. How delicious. Gorgeous. Liz in Somerset says, Hello and Graham and Maria. I suggest the couple could do volunteer dog walking. The Cinnamon Trust organise dog walkers for elderly or terminally ill people. That way they can walk the dog when they have time, but not of responsibility when at work. Smart thinking, Liz in Somerset. Oh dear. So long as you can give up spontaneous holiday arrangements, lunch times to dash home to let the dog out, expect fat vet bills and another bill for the dog to go to kennels or doggy daycare whilst you holiday, uh, plus mud, poo and mutt smells, you'll be good to go. I suspect hubby had thought this through and perhaps have not considered any negatives. That's from Elaine Larkin-Milbank. Hello, she's loving the show in Peterborough. Dear Graham Maria, I can't believe how selfish Joe in Northumberland is. Having a dog is wonderful, but having an unhappy dog whose needs aren't being met is awful. I fully get the wish to have a new being at home, but you wouldn't adopt a child without telling your husband. She needs to communicate more and it needs to be a joint family decision. Until then, Furbies are great. Thank you very much, James and Tom in Woodley. Pippa says, I sympathise with the lady who is desperate for a dog, and I have to admit, I did a similar thing a couple of years ago and got a rescue dog without asking my partner what say say what now uh, although we are now married and still have the dog <laughs> I love, although uh, the lack of communication does occasionally cause issues given the working patterns of the couple why doesn't she try out uh, one of the various borrowing dogs schemes thank you very much Pippa dear Graham and Maria oh no I'm just going to read the second problem again <laughs> do you mind it's quite long <laughs> First problem. Yeah. Dear Graham and Maria, I had some really sad news before Christmas. My grandma has been diagnosed with cancer, which is incurable because of her age. She's 95. 
And so operating or chemotherapy are both off the table. I'm mostly worried about my mum in this situation as they don't have a good relationship. My grandma was quite a cold mother to her, especially in comparison to how they treated my mum's sibling. My mum is now in charge of my grandma's care for the rest of her life and she's already struggling. I was really concerned about making sure everyone had the best Christmas possible given the circumstances. I'm wondering if I suggest should suggest therapy to her as she said to me that she's absolutely fine and she's just getting on with it. But I know she might well be really upset in a few months. Katrina in Chiselhurst, that is from. Um, I, Katrina, I would just take, take a step back for a minute on this one. I think, you know, there's a lot of things in life that we can't control and this is really one of them. Um, you say for the rest of her life, your mum is looking after your grandma for the rest of her life. Your mum, your grandma is 95. She's been diagnosed with cancer. Uh I don't like to be harsh here, but it's a finite amount of time, shall we say. Um, I would say get in touch with social services. If you want to be helpful, which I clearly you do, therapy is not perhaps the right thing for the now, but get in touch with social services so that your mum has some assistance looking after. Where is the silver, where is the golden child, the other sibling, who, um, you know, was treated well? I would suggest that you save the therapy for later. You know, after your grandma dies, perhaps that's something that she might want to consider. But I would say to your mum, get her to speak to her mother, your grandma, about her life, about her last wishes um, and about, you know, their relationship. I think the, what, what upsets us most is sometimes we, we haven't done any of this. We haven't done any of the closure. And now she, your mum has been given time to do this. Not that much time, albeit, but... Uh, maybe mend things to find a way of understanding why things happened the way they did, to find out what your grandma wants for her end of life care, etc. It's a time that of reflection, I think, that um, you must encourage your mum rather than get her to go and see a therapist, get her to talk to her own mum. And I, I do want to know where the other sibling is because I think this should be a shared process. Maybe she lives somewhere uh, far away. But I think... The therapy, Katrina in Chislehurst, might need to come later. What do you think, Graham? Yeah, I think that's kind of that. Cause that could the, then the therapy could deal with everything, kind of the yeah. the, the grief and all of that. I, I, I mean. There's a few things going on here. One, I think, in a way, your mom's been given a gift. Because you were saying, yeah. you know, a lot of times, you know, doors slam shut. Mm-hmm. And you, wait, they're gone. That's it. But wait, wait, wait. At least your mom knows the door is slowly closing here. So now is the time to, to say the things, to, to, you know, whatever. Whatever, whatever your mom needs. Um, the other thing I would say, Katrina, is, you know, if your mom's finding this difficult and it's upsetting her, Help her. Don't just, you know, kind of go, oh, my mom seems a bit yeah, upset. Therapist. Yeah, therapist. Yeah. No, you, you get in there and help her. You know, you do some shifts. You kind of look after your granny a bit. Um, I, I would say, you know, and then that's kind of nice because then it's bonding for you and your mom. Mm. And and it's it's a kind of a weird thing you get to to share because it is a kind of privilege to be there as somebody uh, leaves us, I think. Yeah. So uh, maybe that, I think that for now, that's what your mom might appreciate is having, you know, you in her corner and you helping her. And, you know, and therapy is a good idea, but 
But as Maria says, maybe that's kind of down the line when you're yeah. dealing with grief. I mean, and a, a nice thing that we did with my mum when she was sort of able, she's not really as complimentous as she was, was we had a little uh, memory book, which I thought was rubbish, you know, all of this nonsense. But then you start, you know, saying, what's your memory of your first dance that you went to or whatever? And you start chatting and then their memories start coming back and then you can ask questions about that. And when did you meet my dad? And, and it's a conversation, but you write things down. So that, you know, but it's basically a way of stimulating conversation. And I think that would be good for your mum to find out where she was in the pecking order with her sibling, because clearly that has affected her her whole life. She hasn't really got the relationship she wants with her mum. So this is the time, the gift, as you say, to put things right or to understand. And also the kind of superpower your mum has is the ability to forgive her mom. Yeah. And, and because, you know, if you hold on to this, it can wreck your whole life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have been given this moment, kind of go, you can just kind of go, you know what? I'm cool with it. I'm okay with let it. Let go of the let, bitterness. Yeah, let go of all of that. Now, responses are part two. And now follow. And again, my favourite responder will be getting the waitress number one, char-grilled vegetable and pesto pizza. Lots of uh, cheese on there too. Uh, Val on the Isle of Man says, I suggest that the lady contacts her local hospice, they may be able to provide advice, information and support to you all. Well, I mean, that is a good idea because that is a a resource they will know. Uh, Rod lives in Norton in Suffolk. Uh, Katrina, when you have the life conversation with grandma, record it digitally or on tape. I did this with late parents and recording their voice for posterity was precious. Start somewhere like earliest memories at school and come forward gently into more tricky topics. Try not to interrupt too much, like I did. That way, her memories can be shared with future generations. You certainly can't do this after the event. And myself and Maria were saying that, you know, this is kind of lovely that you have you have this opportunity now. You know that the, the door is closing slowly. So now is the time to do those things. And it's also kind of a way you can spend time with your your granny and your mom might like hearing some of these stories too because she may not know them. Uh, George in Hull says, uh, you say your mother doesn't have the best relationship with her own unwell mother. If you are worried about your grand's care and the pressure on your mother, are you able to step in and take the lead? There is never an easy solution in these situations, but you might have to take some of the pain to relieve others. And Jenny and Grace Yarmouth says, Hello, Graham. Katrina needs to sit down with her mother and tell her her concerns for her mental health. She may react badly to it, but when everything comes falling down, she will know you were always thinking and looking out for her. Help her without her knowing for now. Uh, thank you very much for your responses. Uh, I tell you, what, it's simple advice, but I'm going to give the um, waitress number one char grilled vegetable and pesto pizza to uh, Val for her hospice advice uh, there on the Isle of Man. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. Welcome to the show, Thomas Brody Sangster. Hello. Hello, hello. Hi. Hi. Zoo Radio, I'm all by myself. Uh, so congratulations to you. I mean, you work, I, like, the list of credits, you work all the time. Um, I, 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 I mean, I've been, I've been going quite a long time, but I try and make sure that I leave enough space to get on with, you know, normal life as well. Life, yeah. life as well. But I do love what I do. Yeah, and, I'm lucky to do and why wouldn't you? Uh, the Artful Dodger is your new show. It kicks off on Disney Plus on the Wednesday, the seventeenth. So this is such a clever idea. So it's what is it? Fifteen years after the end of Oliver Twist. Yes, exactly. Yeah, um, and it takes place in Australia, so it's set in Australia. A lot of criminals got sent out to Australia from England 
Um, and it's 15 years later, and uh, he's kind of... He, uh, the Artful Dodger, or Jack Dawkins, has uh, tried to set up a new life for himself, and he becomes a surgeon. And surgery back then is pretty miserable. Um, and it's about kind of having a, a, a like a double life between letting his uh, criminal life go and um, trying to sort out a, a kind of a, a nicer life for himself, but then he's haunted by Fagan, who comes and uh, tries to drag him back. I know, and David Thewlis, I mean, it's very posh. Oh, yeah, no, he's great. Yeah. Um, uh, he, d- he doesn't do a posh accent. For no, no, I meant, I meant as in our posh booking. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you know, they didn't just go, oh, anyone can do oh. that. No, David Thewlis and Tim Minchin's in it as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's no. got a great cast. And, like, because I'm an idiot, like, how... <laughs> How historically accurate is this? I mean, were did surgeons get no money? Uh, yes, um, or rather, no, no, they didn't. Um, and uh, we, we tried to be pretty accurate with the surgery. Obviously, we, you know, it's not proper Dickensian. It, it, it is a heightened world. It's very colourful, um, and that's intentional. It's it's a fun romp. You know, um, that's kind of the reason why I wanted to do it. Um, I thought the world could do with a bit more fun in the world. Yeah. But we do, uh, where we can, we try to be as accurate as possible and we would talk to surgeons about the, the actual procedures involved um, and equipment and, um, well, very little equipment they had back then. It's quite gory. <laughs> yeah, we we had to turn it down a bit because there there the special effects department really, really got into it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the whole bowel can come out. Yeah, yeah it's great. Yeah, lovely. Yeah, and so it's kind of a, a crime caper because you're trying to get money, mm-hmm. but it's also a love story. Yes, it basically the whole thing I think of is as a, as a love story. I think uh, you know Jack was a was an orphan, and the only person that ever showed him any love was Fagan, brought him into his gang of boys, and um, and betrayed him. And um, and I think uh, Dodge is kind of constantly looking for for love, but is also terrified of it at the same time. Um, so it's uh, yeah, it's it's a fun, um, uh, heisty kind of criminal show, but it's also got elements of, yeah. of romance. Uh, how too. long were you out in Australia for? About six months. Nice though, because their summer, right? For their summer, I swapped our winter for their summer, which is which is lovely. Always a bright thing to do. Yes, and has anyone tried to do this before? Because it seems like such an obvious thing to do to to, to continue the story of the awful doctor. Um, there, I mean, there's lots of ver- versions of Oliver, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think they've played around with um, with. I think I don't know whether they've done like a fifteen years in it. You know, I don't think they have. It's smart, as far though, as isn't I'm it? Aware, yeah. yeah, it's a really yeah. yeah when you when you watch it, you kind of think, oh, why 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 has no one done this before? <laughs> it's such a clever thing to do, particularly that Australian thing. Where did it? Where did the the idea generate from? Did it come from Australia? The idea. Um, it came from um, uh, 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 a wonderful man called um, James McNamara, who uh, who who studied eighteenth century eighteen uh, hundreds surgery at Cambridge. Um, so he's very well qualified to write this, and um, he just wanted to make this this show. And um, he's also half Australian and wanted to kind of mash the two together and um, put set, you know, something very very British. We think of Dickens as being dark streets in London and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. filthy and smoky, but then throw it into Australia with these, you know, big bright blue skies and kind of everything's kind of sweaty and um, uh, and dark, but in a very different way. And also, presumably, because it's Australia and it's it's very early Australia, things are, you know, in terms of medical things, they're even, are they worse there? 
would it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It took a long time for medical discoveries to make its way uh, <laughs> over there. But then you have your wonderkind. Is it Maya? Do we say Maya Mitchell? Maya, Maya Mitchell. Maya yes. Mitchell. She plays Lady Belle Fox, who's who's a kind of a wonderkind. Yeah, she represents the the kind of the higher echelons of society, and um, and Dodger kind of comes from the dirt and kind of re- resents that, you know, class structure. Um, but realizes that you know her passion is to is the same as his is to help people really, um, and uh, I think she she does a great job at um, kind of representing two sides to the, kind of the same coin really, and then yeah. Fagan represents you know, the, the the extreme opposite. Yeah, uh, but it's very twisty turny and it's very kind of like hooky. It's kind of you know as you say it's kind of it's rompy but uh, but yeah with a bit of substance behind it. Yeah, yeah, good and. I always, it's fascinating with someone like you, you meet an actor like you, who you seem to just do hits. You just seem to be in, you know. I, I, I specialise in those, yes. Well, I try like, to aim for those always. Well, it is kind of a, an odd thing. Is that you? Is that your gut instinct kind of going, yes, I'll do this and, and oh, look at me, I've picked another winner? Or is it people around you being clever? Um, <clears throat> uh, I, I don't know. It's always hard to know what what show's going to do what or what you know you can come up with a great idea that doesn't mean that it's actually going to work in principle it you have to read something figure out if you could do it and 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 then you rely a huge amount on who else gets cast or what the crew's like or the directors you know it's a huge collaboration that yeah. makes something good or not and then you've got to sell it and make sure that it comes out at the right time for the world to want that kind of thing so yeah. it's 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 kind of i suppose i i think of it as being more from the gut, because how can you ever predict anything like that? I always think that must be the terrifying bit of an actor, that you get a job and you feel like, oh, yeah, I want to do that. But then you're trapped on a set for months with these people. <laughs> yeah. So, like, it, so yeah, it is kind of, fingers crossed. <laughs> well, yeah, it is a bit like that. Yeah, it is a bit like that. But then you do, you form these, like, um, very intense relationships very, very quickly that then kind of disperse. And I don't think that means that they don't mean anything. Um, you just kind of you. It, it's fun because you're all brought together and you all have this very intense moment in time, where you focus and all try to just make this world feel like reality, or have some kind of connection to reality, and then you throw it off in the world and hope it connects with people. And that, I think that's kind of magical. And those relationships you make, so like Anna Taylor Joy or something that you worked with in the Queen's Gambit. If you bump into her in the street, is it like? Oh wow! Is it like an amazing thing because you you went through all that together, or is it just kind of like hi? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's a, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so you I, pick up those relationships again? Uh, yeah, completely, completely, because you have a, you have a shared uh, memory, you have a shared experience that um, no one else does. Um, so no, I, I completely, and I got on very well with her too. So good, good. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't asking, but uh, and because you started, as, you were started so young. You were a little boy. Did you? Has there been a bit in your life where you took a gap, where you kind of went, I, I, "Shall I just do some homework now?" Or did, did, <laughs> have you have you worked consistently all the way through? I was like looking at the dates, seeing is right, there a gap. Okay, yeah. but there doesn't seem to be a gap. Is there not? It doesn't seem to be. I mean, when did when did you because stick of the dump was that your very first thing? <laughs> uh, no, my very very first thing was a, a, a TV film called Station Jim. It's not even on here. Is it not? No, oh. no, we didn't. Station Jim didn't make it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's how I got love actually. Oh really? Through yeah. that? Yeah. Oh okay. So so 
was and was Stick of the Dump before Love Actually or Love Actually happened after that? Um, hmm. No, Stick of the Dump was before Love Actually. Oh, okay. And I believe. And that you know because of the, that that movie and everything. Uh, did and you're a little boy. Do people kind of give you a talk and kind of go? okay, things are going to be different now or did you just roll with the punches because you were young and you didn't know any different? I didn't. I didn't know. I, I, I had no idea what was going on, really. Um, okay. I had, to, I had to ask one of the runners, like, is the film going to come out in the cinemas? <laughs> I, I had no idea, really. Um, I, it was just another job. Another, yeah. It be quite fun. Yeah. Um, big cast, something different. I liked the director. He seemed very nice. So I think it would be quite fun. Yeah. Um, and then... You know, I had to read through all this, these amazing faces kind of walked through the door and I realised, oh, I think this is going to be quite a quite a big film. But, I mean, no one predicted that it would, would have the legs that it does No, exactly. That's what I was just going to say to you. No one could have known no. that people, it would still be a favourite movie, people would watch it every year, all that sort of stuff. I mean, that's... No, it did, it did well when it came out, but it, I think it, it did better in DVD and, then, and, and, and reruns on, on TV every Christmas. It became like a kind of a, almost a kind of cult Christmas movie afterwards yeah and can you bear it like if you if you walk part if you're walking into a room <laughs> does, does it kind of make your blood run cold when you see it <laughs> no 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 it doesn't i mean it's a you know it's a it's a silly but really fun film that's based around love i mean it's, yeah, it's, yeah, a, yeah. it's a lovely film um but it i got i i got a flight back around christmas time once and i remember going to the toilet and as i walked back to my seat, half the plane. <laughs> We're watching Love Actually. On. I could see it in the back of the headrests. And also, I mean, I guess it's it's lovely that you still look so young, but you are still a uh, weirdly recognisable. I still get recognised for Love Actually all the time. Yeah, for I, I'm thirty three now, and I was twelve. Get out of town. You're thirty three. Yeah. Let's play a record. Uh, <laughs> that's, oh, I had no idea you were 33 I imagined you were in your 20s but actually it makes sense looking at the dates <laughs> as I as I added up in my Carol Vorderman head uh, yeah that does make total sense wow that's incredible um, and uh, so when uh, The Artful Dodger comes out it's left presumably so that there could be more Artful Dodger yes it is it is okay it is. But you don't know yet. I don't know yet. I haven't, okay. I, I haven't heard yet. Okay. We'll see. Virgin listeners will decide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if they're Disney Plus viewers. Yeah, yeah. Cause, exactly. Yeah. Because how does that... Do they... Do you meet people from Disney or are you very kind of divorced from all of that? Um, I mean, they come to set every now and again and we're informed that you know, the Disney bosses are on set um, and everyone kind of stands up a little straighter. But, I mean, no. 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 Mm, okay. Well, they they need it because the, the mouse is out of copyright now, isn't he? Is he? Yeah, Mickey Mouse. I think the end of the last year is out of copyright. So now there's like you know Mickey Mouse slasher movies coming and Mickey Mouse <laughs> porn and all sorts. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, yeah, that's how old Mickey Mouse is. Wow. So they need the Artful Dodger. That's all. That's all no, I'm right, saying. Okay, yeah. right. Yeah, so yeah, you yeah. Hang on in there. It's <laughs> happening for you. Uh, the Artful Dodger. It is coming to uh, Disney Plus on Wednesday, the seventeenth of January. Uh, congratulations Thank and uh, thanks so much for coming to see us. Absolutely. Thomas Thank you. Br- 
Brody Sangster. Still to come, Leighton Williams is back on your screens with the brand new season of Bad Education. But first, <gasps> ding ding, show chef Martha's back. And on behalf of all the listeners and myself, congratulations. <laughs> oh, thank you. A little baby show chef on the way. I know. A show chefette. Oh, yeah. oh I love a show chefette. I know. <laughs> People probably wondering, is that too many mince pies? <laughs> or is that chef jacket gone bigger? <laughs> uh, no, oh, it's so nice. Because you went, you went public. Was it just before Christmas you went public? Uh, New Year's Day. So just oh, after Christmas. Okay. Yes. It's been a nice little little cosy secret. <laughs> no, because I was scrolling the Daily Mail and I thought, that, that woman looks so familiar. <laughs> she looks so familiar. Who's that? Oh, you. There you were so with your baby bomb. Oh, people have been so lovely. It's been such an exciting, exciting journey and I'm sure there's lots more excitement to come. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, there is. Yes. Uh, but uh, we're so pleased for you. That's Thank you. wonderful news. Congratulations to you and your husband. And I should say also thank you because uh, Christmas morning I did make the panettone <gasps> French toast. Oh, well, this is a great way to start the year. And it was <laughs> delicious. Oh, the family enjoyed they did well. I ate most of it, but uh, but it just yeah. for me. Can you imagine? You can all have your well, cereal. No, well, you know that thing because it's Christmas morning because everyone's getting up at different times. And da, da, da. So, so true. you like you put it in the oven, but you know yeah. even so, yours so, was the best. Yeah. I'm sure. Yes, because oh, I was I was there when it was actually made. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, uh, delicious. It would make a nice dessert actually. Mm, it's just... oh, so indulgent. Yeah, gorgeous. Anyway, back to today. Uh, what are we kicking off the new year with? So people might have thought that they're free from the, the pressure of having to eat a Brussels sprout. But they are back. Just because it's January doesn't mean that Brussels sprouts are out of season. So we're mm. featuring them in a lovely pasta recipe. So this is a Brussels sprout and bacon pasta. Ooh, lovely. Because Brussels sprouts, I mean, we bought way too many. <laughs> did like, you? Everyone who came to the house thought, we, oh, there'll be no Brussels sprouts, so they brought bags. So how long do Brussels sprouts, they last for a long time, don't they? They do. They've got a really good shelf life on them, um, particularly when they've not been prepared, when they're kind of still in their true form. Or, I even saw in Waitrose, they still had them on the big stalks. <laughs> <gasps> they look great, they don't do. they? They do. They look so cool. You can't cook them on the stalk, can you? I feel like I saw a recipe that someone had written this year for the first time where they cooked them on the stalk, and I thought that's such a clever idea. Because it would look great to bring it to the table, wouldn't it? Be a big, <laughs> Carve tr- off. Yeah. An individual sprout <laughs> yeah. a person. Would you like one? Mm, yeah, just, I'll have a half. I'll have a half. Uh, so this is, is, is this a, a, I mean, it smells and looks delicious. Is that green on top, the Brussels sprouts? So the green on top is a bit of parsley. Okay. But there is also some shredded Brussels sprouts kind of folded through there. So it's like, it's a nice medley of a bit of, you know, January needed carbs and also <laughs> a little bit of January health. So it's like a bit of Brussels sprout. Bit of bacon, bit of pasta, bit of cream. Well, that is delicious. Uh, Brussels sprouts and bacon pasta, uh, courtesy of Martha Collison. Uh, it's gorgeous. Very, it's it's quite rich because it sounds quite basic. Mm. Um, Brussels sprouts and bacon pasta, but it's very rich and lovely. Uh, tell us what's in there. Yeah, it's got lovely layers of flavour. This is a, a Lucas Holwig recipe. He's got a whole collection of things in Waitrose Food magazine this month featuring seasoned ingredients like Swede or Brussels sprouts or things like that. So oh, yeah. tackling the sprouts today and then the Swede tomorrow. <laughs> Little spoiler there. Um, but yeah, this has got it's got loads of layers of onion, of bacon lardens, paprika. Um, I'll run you through the full recipe if you'd like. Please do. So we start with a little bit of olive oil in a pan mm-hmm. and then 
smoked bacon lardens um, you want to get them into the pan they go in first so they become really lovely and crispy and they don't end up too soggy under all of that sauce so crisp them up then use a slotted spoon to take them out of the pan set them to one side and then in you go with an onion really finely chopped and start sweating that away until it's nice and soft then you want to cut your brussels sprouts chop the kind of gnarly bit off the end yes. and then finely chop them you could also do this in a food processor if you can't be bothered to individually <laughs> spri- slice each sprout um, and then they go in with your onions with some garlic and a little bit of smoked paprika as well. So you've got that lovely little slightly smoky aspect to the dish Mm. as well. Cook those for a few minutes and whilst that's happening we're going to boil our pasta. So I've chosen rigatti pasta which is like thick tubes that have got these ridges on them which really cling on to the sauce nicely lovely shape yes a good shape and it's got big hole in the middle a bit like a bit like penne but a bit over oversized penne so i'm going to describe it as so it catches all those lovely chunky bits of the sauce and makes it bring brings it all together Mm, lovely and then once your pasta's cooking we are going to then ladle a little bit of the pasta water which is lovely and starchy you feel like every good pasta recipe now uses a little bit of the water to make that sauce to really boost it up so that goes into your sprouts to help them cook all the way through then we just finish it off with some double cream some lemon juice and zest which really adds a little bit of lift and then some parsley and some pecorino cheese which is a sheep bit like parmesan but a sheep's milk version so it's got a little bit more of a tang to it Fold it all together, chuck your bacon back in, pasta goes in with the sauce, and then you can put it into a big platter or little bowls, and it would actually be really lovely in kind of lunch boxes and things like that as well if you wanted to make it last all week with the leftovers. Batch cooking. Exactly. January. We must be in January. January. That's what people decide. <laughs> Let's do some batch cooking. We can do this. Yes, we can. Uh, no, that is really delicious. It's kind of, it's one of those things, it tastes like more than the sum of its parts. Mm, exactly. It, it, they all really come together. There's a bit of cream, a bit of lemon, it all, ooh, And really. the sprouts kind of blend in, so I don't think people would be too offended. Even if you, you don't like, honestly, <laughs> the Brussels sprouts, it's not too brussels sprouty. Uh, if you'd like the full recipe, you can head to waitrose.com slash showchef and you can see that recipe and all of Martha's recipes. You can also check out the visuals on our socials at Virgin Radio U. Okay, uh, I will see you tomorrow, Martha. Yes. Uh, and I believe it's sweet. It is indeed. I oh. promise to make it taste good. <laughs> All right. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. Hey, let's welcome to the show uh, the man of the moment, Leighton Williams. Hello, Leighton Williams. Hello, how are you? I'm very well. Uh, congratulations to you. Do you have a nice Christmas? Do you have a nice break? Were you lying down? I had a fab break, got to get away for a little bit, got some sun, and I'm back to business. Yeah, I feel good. Lovely. Where'd you go for your son? I went to Lanzarote. Gorgeous. <laughs> I've never been to Lanzarote before. Basically stayed in the Strictly Hotel, but, you know, it was it was an experience, let's just say that, but it was fun. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> let's not pretend. Lanzarote's just a rock, isn't it? <laughs> I just didn't, I don't know what I was, I just didn't realise. I was like, oh, yeah, let's get away. And it was like, oh, okay, this is, it's giving Brits abroad. But it was, it was, let's just say we we got some stories. It was fun. Okay. Hey, <laughs> uh, Bad Education, Bad Education Returns. This is season five of Bad Education. BBC Three and BBC iPlayer from 9pm uh, next Sunday. Not this Sunday, next Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I mean, obviously you are returning now. Uh, you are now a teacher. How what how did that happen? Did they come to you and say, do you want to come back as a teacher? Or did you say, hey, I could be a teacher? 
Well, no, it basically Jack called me, Jack Whitehall, um, you know, obviously part of the original series, been friends for a long time, over a decade. And he, I think he was in Hollywood, I was in Hull. I remember it specifically. <laughs> <laughs> I was on tour and I was like, what do you want? When he calls me, I know he kind of wants something. So I'm like, okay, go on, spill the beans, what's up? And he kind of came with me with the concept and I was like, I'm kind of digging this. Like it, it could be fun. We could bring it to a whole new audience. It would be a very different vibe. And yeah, we made it work. And I feel like it's it's been really nice to kind of go back to something, but kind of inject new energy into it, you know? And also, I don't know, when you were in school, there were those teachers who'd gone to the school. <laughs> I think every school has these yeah. teachers. And then back again, literally. Yeah, they just they go become a teacher and then bounce back. Exactly. <laughs> and so, what uh, in terms of Stephen's life? What happens in this season? Does he have a an arc, or is it just kind of like he he just you know gets involved in various scrapes? He just gets him. He's just same old crazy. Like he's really not actually matured in any way from being a student teacher. <laughs> if anything, he's probably worse. The most selfish, most self indulgent kind of, but like in the funniest way. And that's what makes bad education so hilarious. I think like the teachers are probably worse than the kids. And that doesn't change from Jack to us, me and um, my co-star, Charlie Wernham. It's just absolute carnage. And, you know, he has his moments. He has a little bit of a, you know, a flingling and a a moment, but that goes like every episode does feel like a bit of a, um, a full iconic moment. We really threw everything at it. So I'm super excited. And because, you know, you started when you were so young, do you have a kind of a different attitude to the to the people who are playing the kids? I mean, I, yeah, I, I look at them and I'm just like, oh, like, I get it and I've been there. And it's kind of nice to step on set and know exactly how they're feeling, like what the, they're kind of needing. I mean, they're a lot older than us, actually. So they're very mature. They're, they're you know, they're in their early 20s. We were like teenagers when we started, like 18, 19. Um, so they're all killing it they know what they're doing there's not that much of an age gap between us you know stick a uniform on and <laughs> kids you know what i'm saying but but they are they are amazing and, and it is it does it feels really nostalgic when, whenever jack's on set we did the christmas special and when he's there i do feel like you know an 18 year old kid again it's like it's sweet and presumably there's going to be a, a series six i mean this is a big hit for the bbc I really hope so. I feel like we definitely have a little bit more to give. Let's see what people enjoy from this. And it's it does feel bigger and badder and funner. And, you know, people are definitely enjoying the new the new spin, but it still has the heart of the original show. So say, fingers crossed, you lot tune in and hopefully the commission is a new one. How about that? There you go. This, that's how you sell a programme, Leighton. That's you how beg. we do it. Watch you it beg. We'll yeah. <laughs> you, just, <laughs> you just go, please watch it. I need the job. Please, please. Uh, Leighton, uh, we should say, uh, Dancing Shoes not hung up just yet. You are off on tour. Yes, I'm off on tour. I start rehearsals next week. Reunited with Nikita. Um, yeah, I'm buzzing. Arena tour. It's going to be wild. How does it work, the arena tour? Do you do the same dances each time? Like, do, how many dances do you have to do? I think we do two. One in the first up, one in the second. And then, like, an opening number and a closing number. So, really, it's just going to be quite the celebration. It's going to be a vibe. Well, and also just the pressure's off. I mean, you can actually oh, properly enjoy it now. Exactly. No one's getting kicked out. I think maybe they do like a low-key competition situation, but I'm really not fussed, obviously. So <laughs> I'm just there to shake a leg, oggy, 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 oi, 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 oi to arena. 
it just really baffles me that at one thirty, who knew that arenas did matinees? Like 30,000 people are rocking up at 1.30 to come and see the Strictly tour. I'm just like, okay, let's do it. Wow, so you've got to, like, you'll have two show days. Yeah, it's like a four show weekend sometimes. The other I'm like, do you know what? Let's let's give them it. Like, let's go. Wow. And, yeah, I know. Yeah. And also, you know, we can't say it enough. You were so good. Uh, you were so good. The two of you on that show were just phenomenal. That Charleston it literally was breathtaking. I mean, do, do you do you watch them all back? I, I don't initially because I get a bit like, oh, like well, once it's done, it's done. I'm very much so like, you know, I don't tend to watch things because I'm like, if I've said it, I've said it, I've done it, I've done it. But if it's a vibe and the comments are good, I'm like, well, let's see what the fuss is about. And on the Monday into the next week, the training session, I'll watch it back and I'll go, okay, cool. Any notes that we kind of got, like I'll take on to the next week. And I'm like, but you kind of got to bench it because the week after you're doing Charleston, then you're doing like, the samba ramba damba and it's a completely different vibe you know what i mean yeah so it's yeah i do watch them but i don't i don't fangirl myself i just kind of keep it moving and I, i'm fascinated in doing the series because mm. you know you were so good from week one <laughs> <laughs> and, and I feel like, you know, because you know what viewers are like, they like a journey. And they love a journey. They love a journey. And your journey wasn't, your journey was, I'm very good and I'm still very good. <laughs> <laughs> did did you and Nikita ever have a talk about kind of like, oh, should we do something a bit simpler this Tell week? Fall down the stairs. Yeah, yeah. Just I, trip uh, up. First, I didn't know, genuinely didn't know if I would be any good because I was like, okay, I feel like I could be cute. But I'm not one to like talk until I know. And then after like maybe like the second or third week, I think it was after our quick step, we were like, let's just let's just keep it moving now. Let's not pull hold back because we were like, maybe we shouldn't do too much and tricks and flips. And then we were like, we've got one opportunity. We we'd pinch ourselves if we got kicked out, and we knew that we could have really pushed the envelope. So that's why we really tried to like really elevate every single dance where instead of like running around let's do a few backflips let's do a little cheeky flip off the stage let's do run around a pole you know and also i feel like because the two of you were going hell for leather it mm. it elevated everybody like everybody it upped their game because it, it became such an amazing series I like that. And you know what? And a couple of the other celebs said the same thing. It's like, because we're all raising the bar, it makes the next person come in next week and go, okay, well, if you're doing that. And I used, I was thinking it, you sit there watching it, I'm like, you lot are getting too good. I was like, what? <laughs> I'm going to get back in the training room. Like, I'm having a half an hour lunch because everyone really was up in their game and, and it's great. And that's what the competition is all about. You've got to be inspired by the people. And we generally were all each other's kind of like um, cheerleaders and champions as well. He was like, okay, girl, like get it. It was, it was really impressive to see how much people were bringing it every single week. So yeah, I loved it. And uh, remind us again, the tour, when is that, when people actually, uh, is it all sold out? Should we not mention it? <laughs> Pretty much. You could probably get some seats up in the back, but them seats have been booked before, I swear before we were even announced. I don't think they cared who was coming on the tour, to be honest. It's been booked, but I'm excited to be there. Um, one thirty matinees and evening shows, I'll be giving you beans. <laughs> and uh, how, how many shows are you doing? Like, how long does it run for the tour? It's about six weeks in total. I want to say maybe like a month of shows and it's pretty back to back. Like we have one day off a week. I think it's maybe roughly seven or eight shows. It's pretty packed. 
you know, two days in the city each time. But I mean, it's a massive bucket list for me. I've never performed in an arena before. And it feels like a massive celebration of everything we managed to achieve on the show and to kind of meet the fans and, you know, yeah. it's like it's it's going to be a nice way to end this crazy journey, you know? People will be cheering you to the rafters, I'm sure. Uh, Leighton Williams, uh, congratulations on that. Good luck with the tour. And Bad Education, Bad Education Series 5, the six episodes, uh, BBC3, BBC iPlayer, 9pm from Sunday the 14th. Uh, thank you so much for taking some time out of your Saturday to talk to us. Uh, take yeah. care of yourself. Have a rest now, because there's much work to come. <laughs> thank you, Leighton. All right, lovely to talk to you. Take care, Leighton. Bye, bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening today. You can catch me every Saturday and Sunday from 9.30 on Virgin Radio. Follow us on all our socials to keep up to date and make sure you check out our YouTube channel too. Just look up at Virgin Radio UK and you'll find loads of great interviews and live sessions. Until next time. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio.